the boyfriend of university professor Rachel Chu has just invited her to spend her entire summer break with him in Asia. And this is an opportunity to meet his family, her old college friend, and unbeknownst to her, some crazy rich Asians. The book, (laughs) Crazy Rich Asians, the author, Kevin Kwan, and you're listening to Lit Society. Let's get lit. Hi, readers. This is Alexis. And this is Kari. And you're listening to Lit Society, a show about books and drama. That synopsis sounded crazy offensive. Even though I know it's the title of the book, I don't like it when you say it. (laughs) You're supposed to say um, respectable and wealthy affluent Asian people. (laughs) (laughs) So cancel her. Mm. (laughs) I I just was going trying to get in the book title, okay? But you know what, Kari? Um, I know you like to travel, as I do, too. <laughs> okay, I was about what? to say. <laughs> Hot meat kettle. Which Asian country <laughs> have you aspired to visit? So I'm in the basic period of my life. Y'all all done went to Tulum. I want to go to Tulum in Mexico. And to me, the Tulum of Asia is Phuket. So I want to go to Phuket like everybody did in the early aughts. <laughs> well, you know what? Reading this book makes me want to go to Singapore. For real. Okay? With, but with a million dollars. All the monies, all the monies. <laughs> but I still want to be able to peek through the camera lens. OK, that's what I want to <laughs> do. So this week I wanted to take our theme into the book and travel Singapore style. Oh, I so love this. Just A couple of places that I wanted to highlight in this book. Singapore is officially called the Republic of Singapore, and it's about 85 miles north of the equator. And it's at the southern tip of the Malay Peninsula. Um, And Singapore has four official languages, and they include English, Malay, Mandarin, and Tamil, I think it's pronounced. Um, They became independent from Malaysia in August of 1965. They have tropical uh, rainforest climate. And as the book says, Singapore has two seasons, hot and hotter. Um, It's a major tourist uh, country. The economy, it attracts uh, about 18.5 million international Tourists, and that was back in 2018. It's the fifth most visited city in the world. So you gotta add Wait, Singapore what? to your list. Yes, the fifth most visited city in the world. There you have it. Well, anyway, back to Singapore. One of the first visits in uh, Singapore, besides the airport, is the Lao Pat Sa. Oh, gosh, I'm not pronouncing it right. But it's that historic market in Singapore that they stopped off to eat at. With the Michelin Um, starred street chefs. Yep, 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 yep. And so this is like um, a food hall like we have here. We have the food halls and it's got 
I went to their website. It's got Instagrammable areas. And so it's a variety of food types there. It's a beautiful cast iron heritage site um, that started as a wet market selling fish and meat over 100, well, probably 150 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it was converted to a gourmet paradise and national monument Ooh. in 1973. It offers the best authentic local and international cuisines so that I can see why that would be a great place to visit and the food and the the, um, book I think they were eating satay and that in the story and that just sounded like so appetizing to me I just like it's right up our alley who don't mm-hmm. love Asian f- cuisine and then these the specific version of cuisine I mean I would love to try that Michelin star street street chefs I mean come on yeah yeah like totally you got to get there and get some of that food right mm-hmm. and enjoy the experience Okay, the other place that was highlighted on in the book and they kept coming back to it was Terrasaw Park. And the book describes it as an avenue, as a street that they needed to travel up through. And, and um, her friend was like, well, what's the street number? And she was like, and Nick was like, uh, there's no street numbers, just. Tell them where you're going. <laughs> this is a real on place. <laughs> yes, so it's a real place. Yeah. Wow. So I needed to know that. So I looked it up. It is a real place. Um, it is just as the book says, near or behind the botanical gardens. Wow. Okay. It okay. was at one time a private property owned by the Sultan of Johor, which is in the book. It states that in the book. But the government acquired some portions of it back in 1990. And also in 2009. And then when they acquired it, they did some renovations. And it sounds like they moved a gate that was there. And if you remember in the book, they kind of talk about a a gate, a gate that opens. But it sounds like that gate was moved. Um, So the story kind of reimagines this location. So it's it's very old as you as you um may think because that botanical garden has been there a very very long time. I don't know exactly how long, but it's a when you look up the pictures on the internet it's just absolutely beautiful. And then there mm-hmm. are some places um within this area that have a mansion and there, I saw some pictures from 2015 of a mansion that's in this uh, area, this actual mm-hmm, area. Mm-hmm. So the property does have some res- areas restricted to the public. And there is a section, I don't know if you recall, but in the book, when they look for this Terrasaw area park on the map, you can't see it. There are sections of it that can't be seen. The same thing is true of this actual place. You cannot mm-hmm. see portions of it on the map, on our modern maps. So, but it also is a worthy place to visit because it's got the botanical gardens right up against it. So those are like two of the highlighted places um, that kept grabbing my attention as we were uh, talking about the book. Um and I think it makes Singapore 
just those two little places, those two mentioned places, a worthy place to visit. So I've added it to my place. Food and nature. Mm -hmm. And those are my favorite things. (laughs) Yep. Same here. So that's all I have for you for our theme of the week. A travel with the book, Singapore style. Alexis. Yeah. Do you remember Michael Peter Fay? That sounds like a name I should know. (laughs) So I don't know how I remember this, you guys. I must have been like six seconds years old. But in 1993, he... An American went to Singapore, um, stole some road signs and did a little vandalism and was sentenced to six strokes of a cane. And Americans were outraged. Oh, wait, wait. That happened in the last 20 years. 1993. Yeah. Okay. Which is brilliant. Like, cause your mama should have beat you. She ain't going to do it. I'll do it. So (laughs) shout out to Singapore. Yeah. Don't be coming over here acting like you own stuff, stealing stuff, acting crazy. We going to beat you. Not that I'm condoning that, but I too was beat. Wait, wait. It sounds like you are condoning it. Oh, right, right. All I'm trying to say is if your mama didn't beat you, I will. Uh, end quote, Singapore government. You Can you imagine getting beat in another country? Some <laughs> yeah, whipping. Of course, whipping. I probably have been beat in another country by my mama. Oh, let's save that for another episode. I'm getting sad. <laughs> Well, let's move on and uh, take a quick little break before we jump into our author and context. Oh, thank you. I'm triggered. Okay, let's do it. All right, and we're back. Kari, can you give us a little background on our author Kevin Kwan and maybe some context around this book. Yeah, yeah. I want to give you some background. So Kevin Kwan was born in either 1973 or 1974. No one really knows. So this is already letting you know the man is fabulous. Okay, whenever you can pull a Mariah (laughs) Carey or a Tina Turner or a share and everybody be like I don't know he 35 or 48 I don't know and you famous hats off so um, what I heard about Kevin before reading this book was that he was kind of the friend of some wealthy people and was divulging the intimate details of his friends lives in the book but doing some research on him he came from a very established family he was born in Singapore he was one of three boys and his great-grandfather was a founding director of Singapore's oldest bank also Mm. his paternal grandfather was a a doctor who became Singapore's first western trained specialist Mm. and um ophthalmologist Also, um, that doctor was knighted by Queen Elizabeth II for his philanthropic efforts. Wow. Um, Yeah. So his family. That's his people. Yeah. And that's um, like the one that was knighted was his paternal grandfather. He comes from old respectability and money. Also, there's an actress named Nancy Kwan, who he's related to. She was on the Golden Girls for one episode. Yeah. But she's got a son named Bernard. All I'm trying to say is Uh the Bernard in this book is not written favorably. If that's his cousin, Uh the shade. (laughs) 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 So when he was 11, his parents who were 
like an engineer and a pianist, respectively, um, his father and mother, they moved to Texas from Singapore. He was 11. Um, He graduated early from high school at the age of 16. He started his own creative studio after college. And his clients include TED Talks, uh, Museum of Modern Art, and the New York Times. He's really brilliant, really established. Um, On August 22nd, 2018, Singapore's Ministry of Defense said that Kwan was basically in violation of the national service obligation, meaning he never served in the military, even though he left at, do you remember what, what age I said? That's right. 11. Yeah. <laughs> he was a baby, right? Well, they was yeah. like, so you was born here. But, uh-uh. but, Sorry, you better so serve. Has, so he has to come back and serve? Well, what he tried to do, Alexis, was renounce his Singaporean citizenship. Oh. And the government was like, nah, we good. Come on and serve. Ooh. So he didn't. And Quan is liable to a fine up to $10,000 under the Enlistment Act, which I'm like, Kevin, go pay that money. You being petty. Oh Maybe it's principal you standing on because it seemed like you got the money. But <laughs> I, who am I to be in your wallet? Can I borrow you are $5? In his, you are on. in his wallet a little bit. Yeah, I'm sorry. You know, I hate when people do that. Let's move on to his career. So he became inspired to write Crazy Rich Asians because he felt like, listen, you know what it's like at least to... Uh, move out of one city and move to another. And you kind of feel like you're an outsider looking in when you return home. Right? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> so roll with it, girl. This is a podcast. <laughs> oh, oh <laughs> yeah. That's right. I do feel like an outsider <laughs> when I return home. So that's how he felt about Singapore. So he was like, let me reconnect to my life there. Let me relive all of these memories. And his friends and family were like, yeah, do it. And so he started writing (laughs) Crazy Rich Asians in 2009. And the book was published, first published in 2013. Okay, so he began writing in 2009, wanting to hold on to these stories from his childhood and from his upbringing. Remember, he left when he was 11, but he was still connected to these educated families with quote, style and taste that have been quietly going about their lives for generations, end quote. And those are his words. Um, So he began writing in 2009. The book was published in 2013. Um, The book was inspired again by his childhood in Singapore. Um, He wrote this poem once about, he called it Bible study. And it was all about women who get together regularly under the guise of Bible study just to show off their jewelry and gossip. (laughs) And from that poem became an entire book. And that's where I'll leave that. Um, So that's Kevin Kwan. Follow him on Instagram. Yeah, he's fabulous. (laughs) The fashions. So, yeah. Cool. Yeah, he's very interesting. (laughs) Well, thanks for sharing that information. No problem. Why don't you share a brief synopsis without spoilers before we jump into our deep dive? The brilliant and beautiful Rachel Chu is shocked to find that the man she's been seeing for two years is richer than anyone she's ever known or ever heard of, ever. When she attends his best friend's wedding in Singapore and meets his family and friends, a shocking discovery about her own family will test the limits of her relationship and reveal she knows as little about herself as she does about the wealthy. Mm. Alexis, Mm. what were your first thoughts of Crazy Rich Asians by Kevin Kwan? Um, I think I saw the movie first and I enjoyed the movie. And so when I when you suggested the book, I was like, bet that should be just as fun as the movie. 
How about you? Who do you think would enjoy reading this book? Um, well, anyone that's looking for escapism in their literature, this is a fun. This is the book that I thought Devil Wears Prada would be when I first picked it up 15 years ago. I hate that oh. book. Um, I thought it would be escapism, fashions, fun, travel. Um, but that's what Crazy Rich Asians is. It's take it's giving you a hyperbolic look into an entire group of people that kind of actually exist, kind of. Um, and kind so it's of. it's fun to just step in that world with no responsibility, be in everyone's business, and then put the book down when you're done. Hey, did I tell you I once had brunch with Henry Golding and his wife? I'm gonna no. post that picture on Instagram. So he plays Nick Young in the movie, and I'm like exaggerating. I'm like, um, wait, we were wait, in a, a, like I a do. I remember. Yes, yeah, was they like, were so nice. I was in a small cafe in Soho. I love that neighborhood. And he walked in with his gorgeous wife, and yeah, it was nice. And they allowed me to take a picture as evidence because you need evidence. Mm-hmm. You do. And his wife mm-hmm. said, "My um." Picture was blurry. And I said, it's an Android. And she said, oh. And then I got an iPhone. <laughs> anyway, so that's who would love it. Mm-hmm. Did she embarrass you? No, she was just, she was honest. <laughs> <laughs> so, Kari, are you ready to take a deep dive, spoiler filled, into crazy rich Asians? Yeah, I think I'm ready. And I hate to do this every week, but you guys, this especially is a book that I hate taking notes for because I just want to lose myself in the words. If you're stressed, um, this may be a book that you appreciate. And that's how I was feeling like it's a lot going on at work. Um, I have some responsibilities, all good stuff um, at home. Um, but I just wanted a book to lose myself. So my notes are kind of, uh, I'll need a Lexus. Okay. That's all I'm trying to say <laughs> to explain a lot of it. <clears throat> so um, I'll also talk about what's different from the movie because there are a lot of differences. So part one, The Cousins, London, 1986. So just like in the movie, Astrid and Nick Young are standing in a hotel lobby after walking nine blocks in the rain. And that's because their auntie is cheap. She like, we ain't getting no cab. You know, they didn't have Ubers back then. She was like, your feet work, we can walk. It's raining, we won't die. So all these wealthy children and they um, guardians and parents are walking in the rain and they arrive at a very prestigious hotel. They've arrived to London to put their teenage cousin, Edison Yang, who will be called Eddie throughout the book, in boarding school because, woo, he needed. They are with Alexandra, Eddie's mom, Nick's mom, Eleanor, and Felicity, who's Astrid's mom. So three aunties. The staff there is eager to dispatch these foreigners. They have a reservation, though, to the shock of the general manager. He's like, oh, this one of our exclusive suites. And this is your name under the reservation. Mm -mm." So he's like, in his mind, this is a private club for the upper echelon of humanity. How I'm going to let in these Asian people that don't even go together. Mm. The the balding red-faced overseer says that their reservation can't be found, okay? Of course. And although the family can clearly see their name in the reservation book, he's adamant. Like, I don't know what you thought you saw, but that ain't your name because you don't have a reservation here. Maybe try Chinatown. That's mm. what you tell these people. Rude. Go to Chinatown. Bye. Racist. Yes. 
xenophobic, all that. So an hour after the family are unceremoniously evicted from the lobby of the hotel and after a phone call to the patriarchs of the family, namely, I believe, Eleanor's husband, so Nick's dad, the family returns to the staff surprise. The staff is like, I thought we kicked you Asians out. The owner of the hotel that's owned by a family, a very old money family, walks in. Now, the owner of the hotel ain't walked in in years. So staff is like, how are we going to get these Asians out of here before the owner sees him, sees them? Anyway, the owner walks in and announces that he don't even own this hotel anymore. He glad. That's why he don't ever come. I mean, it's kind of dusty in here. Um, Felicity Young is the new mistress of the hotel. Okay, right. So it's Felicity's husband, they call. Her husband has purchased the property. And the first thing she does as the new mistress of this hotel, do you remember? She terminates that old man. Yeah, exactly. She tells the general manager, maybe you should try... You know, Soho or whatever, Piccadilly Circus. Get out! (laughs) Part two, word travels fast. The location is Singapore. Nick has just graduated from Oxford and returned home with a degree in history and law. He passes a table of a woman and her two daughters. While doing so, he flashes a million dollar smile and they all like swoon. As soon as she's no longer within earshot, the mother insists that the older daughter marry him. (laughs) Six years later, the younger daughter is in America, New York, and she sees him, Nick Young, sitting with an ABC, American-born Chinese. She discreetly takes a photo and word travels within their family, friends and friends of friends that Nick Young is dating an American-born Chinese girl and it looks serious. Unaware of the conversation taking place around the world at her expense, Rachel is sitting with her handsome boyfriend pondering his proposition. What was his proposition, Alexis? Come with me to Asia and spend the summer. I'm going to my friend's wedding. I'm the best man. Yeah, in fact, I'm in the wedding. I'm the best man in Singapore. Just come on. I want you to meet my friends. Um, And so (laughs) come on to Singapore. Let's make it official, official. Okay, meet everybody. She's 29. She's brilliant, but single and well into old maid territory by a lot of people's <laughs> standards <laughs> in her circle. A lot of culture standards, too. Her and Nick have been dating for two years, so his offer can only mean one thing. Ooh, he might have a ring in the pocket. She Maybe. accepts. They're going to Singapore. Now, soon after this happens, after she accepts his proposed his proposition to go to Singapore, all the way in Singapore, a Bible study is happening. And that's with (laughs) Eleanor, her uh, close family and friends, mostly her friends. And they use this time to read the Bible, gossip and, um, you know, scrutinize their lives and trade stocks. (laughs) basically and they're covered in beautiful jewels um everyone's like and this is very similar to the movie have you heard about nick's girlfriend so that quickly word is travel and eleanor's caught off guard she's like nick be in these streets i don't know that's my son he cute ain't he and they're like Mm-mm, this sounds serious eleanor you don't know her and there's these little micro power dynamics going on where they are friends, but everyone kind of wants to be the clean V. And so they love making people feel uneasy. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. they're like, Eleanor, everyone knows. You don't know? Now they didn't just found out. And they don't know nothing. 
But Eleanor starts to panic in her heart. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Also, she like says a quick prayer that the girl not be Taiwanese because Taiwanese girls only want the monies. I said, maybe I'm Taiwanese. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Okay, back in the States, Rachel is talking to her mom. She informs her that Nick invited her to come to Singapore. Her mom is very like, Listen, that family ain't going to be like me and you. Me and you talk every day. We like friends. You know, I'm a real estate broker. I got a career. Just know that traditional families are going to be different than ours. And I want you to be prepared. Also, that boy going to marry you. He going to try to marry you. And uh, Rachel is like, we have never even talked to marriage, mom. Like, calm down. And I'll just be myself. Okay. Poor Rachel. She's stupid. (laughs) Why? She got to be stupid. She better listen to her mama. Her mama was trying. Oh, well, we see you. You try. Mm-hmm. A few days later, <laughs> Rachel uh, brings it up. Will they be sharing a room at his parents' house in Singapore? And Nick's like all nonchalant. Like, I don't know, maybe whatever. Who cares? And Rachel is like, mm, you a little too carefree. Um, Nick looks at her and admires her like natural beauty. And he thinks to himself in this moment, how did I get so fortunate? Whoever loves me is bound to love her. Okay, so I don't even need to tell her anything because she's just going to show up and wow the socks off of everyone. He's stupid. He's stupid. too. You should apply to stupid, too. (laughs) Yeah. In reality. (laughs) Also, he's 32. He's never brought anyone home and everyone will assume he's proposing. So everything is going to be fraught with significance. He needs to remember that. Um, so he decides to call his cousin Astrid. Now, Astrid is the Beyonce of the family. She's very poised. She has it together. Um, they used to call her the goddess when she was young. And she's very um, unassuming. Like she doesn't flaunt what she has in the way of money and things. She because she's had it forever. So mm-hmm. she's very benevolent, very kind, hospitable. Um, people just love her. When Nick calls her, she's in Paris shopping. Her husband is working in another town and she's indulging in her shopping ritual with no one to like rein her in. So she's like, Gucci Prada, yes. (laughs) (laughs) She chats with her favorite cousin, Nick, and she tells him, you need to prepare Rachel for the family. So let's meet Astrid for a little bit. Um, She's got the pedigree, right? Um, Do you remember what her parents did, how they got so wealthy? It's like not wealth you can earn. It's wealth that's inherited. Right. Yeah. I don't really remember. I don't know if they're the ones that buy all the properties. They do. Okay. They buy houses for their kids like some parents buy candy. So they like, mm-hmm. oh, we saw this house and it had a closet where you could put a, in the computer all your outfits and it would choose a different outfit for you. And I just loved it so much. I bought it for you, Astrid. Just <laughs> Astrid for be you. Like, okay, thank you, mama. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> so um, they're also very protective of their privacy to the point where Astrid t- used to attend like all these front row fashion shows and high society events. And if photos were to be published, they would find out about it and pay off the publication, a little catch and kill, if you remember that. So she's not in any papers. The family, um, I don't even think they wear designer clothes. They don't. They have like couture clothes made for them. They're not into labels. They just have money. Mm -hmm. Um, So when she first discovered labels, it was like in her adult life. And she was like, I love the fashions, but she has to keep it now from her husband. Like she wouldn't share that, um, 
a hobby shopping with her parents and family. She now can't share it with her husband either. So it's a time for her to be alone in her own thoughts, which she appreciates. Um, She has relationships all through Paris with the best boutiques. They look forward to her coming in and they create an experience for her every time she walks in. She doesn't have to wait in line in front of Chanel like us um, peasants. <laughs> she can buy more than one bag a year. Anyway, um, so she rushes home from Paris, eager to welcome her husband, Michael, back from a work trip. Um, her and Michael are from two different worlds. He's like from earned money. He's, his family is not even wealthy at all. Uh, they're just hard workers. He was in the military, but she saw a fashion show with him walking in it and she couldn't get him out of her mind. She was like, I am a puddle of love for this fine man. <laughs> then she saw him at a party and then they went out on a few dates and they were never right for each other, but they couldn't resist each other. So they got married back from a work trip. So he has this um, tech company that he started after the army. And when he arrives home after they spent time together, she discovers an illicit text message on his phone. And it's so clear now he's cheating on her. Oh, man. He's doing an Adam Levine and it is unnecessary Ooh, and uncalled for and Adam. terrible. Cut it out. So let's leave Astrid a little bit because we sad about it. Let's meet Eleanor and the social algorithm in her head. <laughs> Eleanor also has pedigree. She came from a very wealthy family. And Eleanor, by the way, is Nick Young's mom. She's like kind of the queen bee of her circle. Um, so she came from money, but she was never good enough for her husband's family because their money is ancient money. Long like they get money. gifts from kings in monarchs that monarchies that don't even exist no more. Like yeah. it's crazy. So Their money long, long. Right. So her husband's family, his mother is just he she was like one of the three chosen children by her father. Her father had other like basically wives and children. And even with his main wife, he had, I think, like six or seven kids. Yeah. But he only chose three because of their faces. He thought he could look at faces and decide if someone would be good or bad. Mm. So he chose three. She was among the three of his children. And he gave her all the knowledge he had, the money he had, everything. And they occupy a area of Singapore that is so vast, but so secret that people don't even know it exists. This private property behind a botanical garden. They, people, folks that live on the island don't even know it's there. She's got lady maids. She got maids and waiting that's been gifted to her by like Taiwan as a whole country was like, here, please, can we give this to you? They, they stay with her their entire lives. It's crazy. So that's Eleanor's mother-in-law. It's a lot of pressure. So Eleanor is like, in order to be accepted by my in-laws, I have to always make sure I'm better than everyone else. And that means that my son, I'm going to let him live with my mother-in-law so that he becomes the favorite so that he, whatever he wants in life, he'll have because he'll have a direct connection to the purse strings in the family. Also, he has to marry someone that I approve of because I can't have him messing up all my hard work. That's really how she thinks. Yeah. So yeah. when she <laughs> when she hears about Rachel Chu, she's like, uh-huh. Yeah. Um, private investigator, please. And she decides that as a power play, when her son arrives with his new girlfriend, she won't be there. She's gonna be gone on a quote unquote spa trip. But really, she is gonna go to the spa. Don't get it twisted. But she's gonna meet 
the private investigator and learn all about this new girl that Nick's dating. So Nick and Rachel arrive in Singapore via the most luxurious first class flight imaginable. Mm-hmm. This is supposed to be kind of like Singapore air. In fact, I think in the book, it does say Singapore air. Um, and yeah, their their uniforms are designer, um, old designs, but beautiful. Um, and Singapore, I think, is known to have like the the most beautiful and highest rated airport in the world. Okay. It's like people travel there. People will have a layover there just to experience the airport. Yeah. (laughs) So um, it's not far-fetched that luxury would also be in its namesake airline. Well, anyway, they arrive after this beautiful plane trip, just like in the movie. And Nick's parents are out of town. Um, His dad's in Australia, by the way. So his dad basically lives in Australia. His parents are living separate lives, basically, but they're like cordial. Mm -hmm. They're fine. Like the mom is just always so earnest and eager and wants to please the family and thinking about this hierarchy and the social algorithm. And the dad's like, "Mm -mm, this messy. I'm going to Australia. And he just kind of live there, low key. Yeah. (laughs) So that's where he (laughs) he might not even know that Nick's coming to town as of yet. But anyway. They choose to stay in a hotel instead of with their parents who are out of town, of course, or the grandma who Nick grew up with, who who raised him when he was little. Um, They're greeted at the airport by who, Alexis? Oh, his his um, friend that's getting married. Right. Colin uh, Koo and Colin's Mm -hmm. fiance, Araminta. And Colin is like a billionaire, just like Nick. Um, But Colin's family is everybody's family is young money compared to Nick. But they're at least like on that level socially or close to as close as you can get to that to the level of the youngs. Um, And then the fiance, Araminta, her family um, is kind of like new money. They like 10 years ago were nobody. And now she's a supermodel um, and the family has a lot of holdings throughout the area. Um, So Colin's family has agreed to allow him to marry Araminta. It's a good connection uh, because of, yeah, these new efforts that they've developed in the last 10 or 15 years. Um, And she seems really nice. Like she really wants to get to know Rachel. She seems genuine. Yeah. And after a fun day out eating the amazing food that Alexis described in the theme of the week and getting to know each other, Nick leaves Rachel to help Colin prepare for the wedding where Nick will be best met. So Rachel in this time hangs out with Peak Lynn. Now, when Rachel was in college in Stanford, she had a friend named Peak Lynn who was like the way I, um, you know, count calories. That's how she was counting money, like five million, 10 million, 12 million. It ain't no thing. And she would always want to like uh, lavish Rachel with these gifts. And Rachel would be like, no, Peak, I love your personality. Also, thank you. Wrap it up in a pink and a green. <laughs> Um, so Rachel goes over to Peak Lynn's family and Peak Lynn is like, yeah, she's not doing the black scent like uh, somebody did in the movie. Uh-oh. She's like, hi, friend. I missed you and I love you because she normal. Mm-hmm. Listen, they might be young money, but these are kind people. Their tastes are totally gaudy, but they're not like <laughs> you don't hate them at all. Right, Alexis? No, no, you don't. You don't. They just love their money and they spend their money. They enjoy it. Mm-hmm. They're almost an avatar for the reader because you like, man, if I was in this environment, how I would just be reckless. So they kind of reckless with their money like a lot of us might have been uh, if we were in their shoes. Anyway, um, once they start talking around the table, they're like, oh, yeah. Um, so in the movie, uh, Peak Lynn is like. 
Nick Young's your boyfriend. In the book, it's like, don't nobody know who Nick Young is? They right, like, you going right. to Colin Koo's wedding? And um, Rachel's like, yeah, do y'all know him? And they were like, not really, because he's too famous and important and upper echelon. Like, but how are you getting to that wedding? Right. And and then Rachel's like, well, my boyfriend is the best man. And they like, who your boyfriend? And she's like, Nick Young. And they like, never heard of him. And so Piglin is like, um, you're going to Nick Young, your boyfriend's grandmother's house tonight. I'm going to drop you off because I'm nosy. <laughs> and that's when I'm like, yeah, I'm Piglin. So Piglin um, drives to the house that doesn't even exist on Google Maps. It's like a black hole on Google Maps. They finally find their way in front of Nick's grandmother's palatial estate. And Nick does not invite Piglin in. He, he like, does not. all right. <laughs> OK, take care. Be safe now. Be okay. safe in them streets. Mm-hmm. And she like, shoot, I want to know all the business because um, I didn't even know this existed. And what she, didn't she know existed? Um, Tyresol Park. And that's right. this property behind the botanical garden. Can you imagine just living basically in a botanical garden? So beautiful on Singapore. Come on. Gorgeous. And then it's land upon land of original architecture that is unique, one of its kind on the entire island. So how does Rachel feel in this moment when she arrives to the grandma's house? If I tell you, come on to my grandma's house, what you picture? (laughs) (laughs) Not a, not a um, 50 plus acres, not a mansion. And be like, you regular like me. Okay, come on. Yeah. Yeah. You might think it's like a little nice um, seating area in the back. Something in the front, you know, vines going. A nice little cottage, mm-hmm. big kitchen because grandma let her cook. No, that's not what this is. Grandma got some close. flowers that only bloom every like eight years. And she said, it's a party. We going to watch the flowers bloom and everyone put on their best diamonds, their best emeralds, their best rubies and their best couture to look at these flowers. Why? Because it's at grandma house. So <laughs> Rachel walk in her bottom jaw hit the flow and she like, uh, you rich. <laughs> you crazy rich. And you Asian. So, Nick- <laughs> OK, is that how I was supposed to say it? <laughs> yeah, that's how you were supposed to say shame on you. Anyway, only Rachel can say that. So Nick okay. talks about his childhood at Tyrosol Park. And he's like, yeah, I, I grew up here. And it's like, it's just, well, it was my life. And he in, introduces people at his amas or his grandma's party, most of whom are the upper crust of Asian society. I mean, um, politicians, movers and shakers. These aren't just influencers. <laughs> Mm-mm. These are true influencers. They influence world events. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Nick's grandmother um, is not that impressed with Rachel, but she ain't too impressed with anyone. And she's very poised. She's kind, but her voice shows that she's in command of herself and her environment. And she's not going to be impressed. So it's not even going to happen. However, she does invite Nick and Rachel to come stay at Tyresol Park. She's like, don't be staying in a hotel. You're my favorite grandson. Come on over to the house. And so he's like, yay, you love Rachel. She's like, I didn't even say all that. But anyway, <laughs> let's go back to Astrid, you guys, because a lot has been going on. Remember when she got that, um, when she looked at her husband's phone, mm-hmm. and it was that naughty that text, text from a secret woman? Yes. <sighs> it's messed up because she was also at a jeweler 
she has this friend that's a jeweler that she met in Paris. Um, and he has his own very private, um, exclusive showroom. Um, in Singapore, she visited him just to get some relief, a little retail therapy. And guess what he say? How did you like that bracelet? I didn't think it was your taste. She, said, your husband. she played it off, but she's like, in her mind, I never got a bracelet for my husband. So then at her grandmother's party, she's got this gossipy cousin that's um, just he's great. OK, very similar to the character uh, that depicts him in the movie. But he's not as prominent in the book as he is in the movie. Is that Oliver? Exactly. Oliver is like, I thought I saw your husband, Michael, with the cutest little boy in in Hong Kong a few weeks ago. But then the boy turned around and he wasn't as cute as Cassian. So I knew it wasn't your husband. And Astrid is like two things. First of all, uh, does my husband have a son now? Like this is happening fast. Mm-hmm. And second of all, is Oliver trying to like tell me the truth? Because he's a gossip, but he's also like he'll be your homie too. He'll like give you the inside scoop. So he might be trying to let her know what's going on with her husband. So her mind is all over the place. She's like, let me go get Cassian who's at the party at grandma's and him and I will rush home to be with my husband. As she's driving home, her mind reeling, she crashes her car. It like wraps around the tree, landing her and her son in the hospital. And then after two days, so when the ambulance picked her up, she was like, take me to the poorest hospital in the <laughs> world. <laughs> because why though? In uh, Singapore. Because she didn't want the attention. She didn't want the, what is it called? The hotline. What is the, the oh yeah Radio Asian One Radio Asian One to get back all the news that she got into an accident? Yeah. So after two days, though, I mean, two days in the hospital is an eternity. But after two days, her parents find out where she is and they're ready to turn the hospital upside down because it ain't good enough for their daughter. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, both Astrid and her son are okay, thankfully. Michael is signing Cassian's release form. Cassian's the baby again. Um, when Astrid can't help but to confront him. Alexis, do you remember what she says? Paraphrasing. She was, she was like... Um, can you just tell me the truth? Do you got you a, a woman? Is you cheating yeah, on you me? Yeah, you got another woman. You might have a son and you're sneaking around behind my back. But look, I love you. You stupid fine. So it ain't like I'm going to leave you. <laughs> yeah, I'm not trying to do that though, see. <laughs> yeah, let's not get crazy. I just <laughs> want you. I ain't even going to ask you to stop cheating. I actually don't know what I'm asking for. <laughs> so, but I want us Michael. to be together. Okay, I want us to be together. <laughs> Don't forget that. I'm yeah, just saying stuff. What am I even saying? You gonna live your life? Just live it with me. And Michael <laughs> is like, actually, I'm good. And if you're upset, as you should be, I'm leaving. And she's like, <laughs> hold on. I'm the injured party and I don't want you to leave. And he's like, don't worry about it. I'm gone. <laughs> and he kind of leaves the hospital. <laughs> he's like, duh, you do Listen, Michael gotta be crazy fine because this is reckless. <laughs> She's like, you're taking that way too far. I didn't even say that. Just settle down. Stay Ugh. here. And we could talk about it in the morning. He's like, no, bye. So listen, we in escapism. That's what this literature is about. We're going to leave Astrid there because she got real problems and we ain't with it. So, Alexis, please explain the bachelor and bachelorette parties. Do you remember how they went down? <sighs> Can we start with the bachelor party? The bachelor party? 
Yeah, yeah. Colin's bachelor party is hosted by Bernard. who to Colin is a family friend named Bernard. He hates Bernard. He's always hated Bernard. But Bernard's family is well connected. And so Colin's family is like, you got to be nice to Bernard. So Bernard is hosting the bachelor party. I felt for Colin in this position. Yeah, like, for real. Ugh. So what yeah. did this start out? The party starts out at a dog fight, a vicious dog brutal vicious dog fight and then, in the middle of the indian ocean i think yeah yeah and they're yeah. like what are we doing here why are we here this is so brutal we don't want to be a part of it he was like you don't want a good time they was like no let's go back to the hotel it's like well bernard is like okay <laughs> that's fine because i want y'all to see how much attention they give me <laughs> so they- yeah so bernard is like you don't want to see mastiffs Tear each other apart. Okay. Very large dogs and blood everywhere. That's not interesting to you? No. No. And Colin's like, yeah, it's not though. So we're just going to go back to the room. And Bernard is like, oh, but I need you to see the hotel stuff. Suck up to me. <laughs> so let's all go back to the hotel. <laughs> okay. Oh, he the worst. And then he gets there and he puts on a show like, this room is not ready. I demand satisfaction. Give me your best poker room i mean gambling yeah, room. gambling suite or whatever yeah mm-hmm. yeah and so they go over to the gambling suite but they're colin and nick are like well i want to just play at one of these little tables and little money he was like no basically i want to hang out with my friends and talk <laughs> that's what yeah. he said right i want to yeah. just hang out with my friends and chill and bernard is like no we're gonna party like we billionaires and spend lots of money and they just not interested are. in that. Yeah. They're just not. They're more low key. And mm-hmm. oh, then they go to a, a cruise ship where they have a whole bunch of paid women doing mm-hmm. all kind of paid things. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. OK. And um, they try to escape from there. And they do. And this is just too much at this point. Also, Colin has had bouts of depression his entire life. Mm-hmm. And Nick can see his friends seeping deeper and deeper into a dark place. And so Nick is like, you know what? That's enough. I'm actually going to get you out of here. So he plans this whole ruse where he tells the captain of this sh- ship they're on at one point, I need to have my friend um, airlifted out of here because he's hemorrhaging. And the captain is like, who in the world you think you is? And Nick, <laughs> this is the first time Nick like pulls Uses his, his rank. Yeah. He's like, yeah, do you know who I am? I will have you captaining styrofoam or something <laughs> like you can't even captain styrofoam after I'm done with you. And the man's like, okay, <laughs> uh, let's get the helicopter. And so um, Nick and Colin are helicoptered away, if that's a word, uh, away from this yacht full of debauchery. And they continue their trip in the peaceful Australian desert. So they got a connection to this desert and they just leave all of that to go chill in just silence in the Australian desert. These my kind of people. Yeah, that sounds like if a I good time. If I got money, that's where I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's too loud here. And everybody stink. And drugs? Nah, I'm good. Drugs and all, <laughs> like you said, debauchery. <laughs> yeah. And another thing is um, Nick's cousin, Alistair, is with them. And in the movie, he's like a jerk. In the book, he's just a little more naive. But he's like, I don't think he's a jerk, right? Like, what do you think? Alistair, yeah, no, it's Bernard that's the jerk. 
and Eddie. Bernard is jerk. really the 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 jerk. Alistair is like um, he's wealthy. Everything's true. He is directing movies. He falls in love with this actress named Kitty, who has questionable morals, according to her family. And dresses inappropriately, according to her family. Um, and he like is crazy in love with her. But um, he's like a real friend to Colin and Nick. And they take him with them uh, when they escape Bernard's party. Now on to Rachel. Now Listen, the the party. OK, I'm talking about fly in. Mm. This is the kind of party me and you need, Alexis. Right. I don't know why. Don't feel pressured to get married. Can you have a bachelorette party if you're just a bachelorette, though? Like, don't that just mean I'm married? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think you need a bachelorette party just like this, Alexis. What but you I think? think it's some expectation that you're going to get married. Ah, That's the only reason I whatever. wouldn't do we'll it. We'll talk about it <laughs> offline. Anyway, so Rachel is surrounded by Araminta's friends. And just like in the movie, they're jerks. Like um, they like one girl, Francesca, is really annoying. And she twists Rachel's words that Nick is a good catch, implying, oh, she's trying to catch a big fish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's a gold digger. Um, yeah, she meets Ast- Rachel meets Astrid's cousin and Colin's sister, Sophie, and makes friends with her. But it's like kind of ambiguous as to if that's a real friendship. Really, it's not because uh, once um, Rachel finds like a gutted dead fish in her room, just like in the movie. Sophie's like, just ignore it because those girls will have satisfaction over bullying you if you make a big scene. And Rachel's like, you're right. Um, but as the reader, you're like, Sophie, like, what team are you on? But I, I agreed with her. At first, I thought that was a little off, but I'm like, that makes and sense. Me too. And I ain't even in the book. No, I think it was reasonable because she wasn't going to do nothing. She didn't want to make a scene. A cool girl. And she's Astrid's cousin. And Astrid is like the coolest girl in the book. So and plus, yeah, maybe they're decent. Yeah. Astrid sent her to, to watch out for her. So, yeah, she's a low key down to earth one. Yeah. So he's like, you could call security, but then those girls will have a scene and that's what they want. So let's just get rid of it. It's kind of like the position that Astrid takes in the movie. That's kind of Sophie's role here. Let's just get rid of it. We won't even say anything. Okay. Um, And so that's what they do. Now, when Rachel meets back up with Nick, um, she doesn't even really mention it. Instead, she puts on a brave face because Philip and Eleanor are back in town. That's his parents. And they're going to their home. Nick's parents, they're finally in town and having them over for dinner. Uh, When they walk in, there are close friends there and family, including, uh, as far as friends go, Francesca, who's the daughter. Do you remember Francesca's family? They've like all they've had money for a long time, but they couldn't spend it because her like (laughs) I think it's her grandfather just yeah. wouldn't allow them to because he's frugal uh-huh. and he was in control of it but he'd been in a coma for six years <laughs> so they got as soon as he went in a coma they got their faces redone <laughs> they don't even look the same <laughs> everyone's fabulous and they only wear like Dior she named a few designers that's all that touched they skin mm-hmm. uh, so it's, it's kind of funny so but she's also young money and tacky and so it's obvious that she wants to separate she wants Nick everyone wants Nick everyone. because he's gorgeous and comes from the best family on the island. And so um, once they get to Philip and Eleanor's home, Nick's, Nick's parents, um, Francesca's like dropping hints throughout the night that she has something to do with the dead gutted fish given to Rachel. And and Rachel tries to like go tit for tat, but she can't. Francesca's like, 
Yeah, that's what girls get when they try to fish outside their water or something. It's like really gross. So um, secretly, she also serves lives about Rachel to Eleanor and vows to help Eleanor dismantle Nick and Rachel's relationship. At this point, Eleanor's like, I got it covered. Because remember, Eleanor met, I think, in Hong Kong with that private investigator. So she has a a little ace up her sleeve Mm -hmm. if she needs it. Mm -hmm. Eleanor does. Part three, the wedding. So Araminta and Colin's wedding um, takes over the next few days. This is like a days long wedding. It's star studded, filled with um, celebrities, politicians, royalty, high ranking officials. Everyone is surprised to see um, like, uh, okay, they're they're surprised to see one guest and then another guest walks in front of them and they like, oh my goodness, Barack (laughs) and Michelle. They like, wow, and Beyonce, oh wow. Although, right. But the guest there is most surprised to see is the grandma, Nick Young's grandma, because she holds an esteemed position on the island and she never shows up for these events. Who is she walking in with? Alexis and why? People come to see her. She don't come to see Mm -hmm. them. But she's walking in with Astrid. And Astrid has set this up so finely because her husband been skipping out on all the events and recently. So she used her grandma as a... um, you know, a placeholder for her husband. Yeah, just like in the movie. And her um, grandmother made this concession. She was like, I never leave the house because I got everything I need in the world in the park. But you're my baby. You know, you ain't my favorite because <laughs> that's Nick. But you my second. But this and is her chance. You're ashamed. This is her chance to see Nick as That a was a lie, man. Alexis. Yeah, so but she, she t- believed it. Nah, I don't know. You yeah, think? she said, yeah. Okay, so Alexis is saying that grandma walks in and is like, everyone, like some people bow to her, like to the floor. They right. The room goes silent when she walks in. It's 888 people there because eight is like a lucky number. So they invited 888 guests. All of them go silent when grandma walk in. Some bow to her. And she says she is there to see Nick Young as a best man because she knows he'll be handsome. Now, if she wanted to, she could she could have been the 889th guest. Mm. But I think she's just covering for Astrid, whose husband has bailed on her again. Uh, but maybe maybe do she you leaves, think Astrid uh, told her that her husband was bailing? Yeah, on her? I think I think Astrid, like in the movie, was like, Grandma. Michael in these streets and grandma was like, say less. I'm getting, getting my clothes, uh, lady mates. So um, there are some cute moments throughout the wedding. One being that um, unlike in the movie, uh, Araminta is like, what is this wedding for if Astrid isn't? So Astrid is the best dressed person in the world. Right, okay, right. But she wears one dress to every wedding and you don't find out why I don't think until the second book. But anyway, when Araminta sees Astrid in a dress that she's already seen Astrid in, she's like, she didn't even try for my wedding. Why am I even here? <laughs> this is Astrid at her own wedding. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, Araminta at her own wedding is like, Astrid didn't try. Why am I here? But then I was like, what it's kind wild. of person is Araminta? Because yeah, Araminta's um, shallow, <laughs> but her and Colin do seem to really love each other so don't take that as she doesn't want to marry him she's just like why even have a wedding if Astrid isn't competing with me in the looks (laughs) (laughs) okay so listen 
people are there complaining that the wedding is too opulent, which makes sense because Aramita's mom, I think, owns like a series of hotels. Mm-hmm. I know she does and yep. resorts. Yep. And so she's made it gorgeous inside and people hate that. She also has hired like a boys choir to sing as the um, wedding party walks down the aisle. People love it so much that they hate it. Uh, there's like a band there. Instead of it being like a stale, typical, traditional wedding, they make sure that there's something to cater to everyone's taste. People hate that. Um, so people have just showed up to talk about Araminta and her family, basically. But anyway, Nick takes Rachel into a cave that used to be his hideout when he was young. And he uh, tells her that he wants to marry her. But they're interrupted by Mandy. Or he starts he to tell starts, her, I think. Yeah, he didn't tell her that. Yeah. Yeah. And then this new girl pops up. It's a new girl in every scene. We like, man, y'all in the way. Well, Mandy walks in and is like, hey, Nick, gives him a kiss. And then just to show she's not shady, also kisses um, Rachel on the cheek. And she seems nice enough, but oddly protective over Nick. Later at the banquet. So this is another part of the wedding. (laughs) Mandy and Francesca. Remember, we don't like Francesca. Well, now she's teamed up with Mandy and they imply to Rachel that they've been intimate with Nick. It's the truth, actually, like when they were 16. And Francesca makes it blatantly clear that um, Nick is like, he nasty. (laughs) (laughs) She sure did. She sure did, y'all. And in that moment, Rachel's like, great, it's over. I'm done. (laughs) I'm leaving. Now, remember, she hasn't been divulging to Nick everything that everyone's been doing to her. All these sly little microaggressions and just outright aggressions. Mm -hmm. She's been trying to internalize it. And so this is the last needle on the camel's back or straw or whatever. I think it's and a so straw. Rachel is like, I'm leaving Singapore. This is trash. Meanwhile, back to Astrid. Yeah. Astrid goes to the wedding and finds Charlie. Now her and Charlie dated when she was a little younger before she married Michael. And he like exposed her to the world of like fashion labels mm-hmm. and having fun with your money mm-hmm. and just loving her and, you know, probably almost worshiping her like he shouldn't. But um, Charlie was just madly in love with her when they were married and she called it off. That's I'm sorry, dating. Ex. And she called it off. But that was her ex fiance. Oh, that's right. They were engaged. Mm -hmm. So when she sees them, she's it's like awkward at first, but then they catch up and realize that they're both in failed marriages. He's like at first he kind of lies about why his wife isn't at the wedding. And then later he's like, look, I'm going to just tell you the truth. We don't even live together. We live completely separate lives. And she's like, oh, really? Because my husband's cheating on me and probably has a kid in Hong Kong. And he's like, why would anyone cheat on you, though? Did you write lemonade? (laughs) So anyway, um, he's like, look, let's leave. And she's like, excuse me. And he's like, let's go to Hong Kong and confront your husband because you obviously love him. (laughs) Uh, She's not flirting with Charlie at all, Mm -mm. it should be said. And Charlie's not really flirting with her. Mm -mm. He wants to help her. He's just like, you deserve. Yeah, she's he's like, I want to see you happy. And your husband makes you happy. So let's go get your man. (laughs) Because he loves her. But he's like, I want you happy. So let's go get your husband. Mm hmm. So they like, I think, hop on his private plane. Absolutely. In the middle of the wedding. And so much is going on that no one really notices. Mm -hmm. And so they fly to Hong Kong to catch Michael in the act. Back to Rachel. 
So Rachel's like, okay, great. I'm leaving Singapore. And Nick is like, what are you doing? And she's like, I'm leaving Singapore. I'm out <laughs> I'm going to New York. It's the best. Right. Do you get it? And he's like, wait, what? And she tells him everything. And he's like, listen, I'm going to make a, make it up to you. We can leave. So just like Astrid and Charlie just left. Nick is like, oh, we leaving too. And so he's, she's like, fine. And so before they leave, he tells his mother, Eleanor, I'm going to propose to Rachel and I'm going to marry her. Okay. Eleanor is like, stop the press because your breath ain't fresh. <laughs> Listen, I don't know who you think you is, but you are Nicholas Young and you're not marrying anything that your ama did not approve of, your grandma, um, because you need to get all the monies and all the approval. And I've spent your entire life and my entire life making sure you get into this privileged position and you are not going to ruin it for me with this no name. And you don't know her, Nick. I know things about her. So um, Eleanor is trying to pull out that trump card but nick don't want to hear it Back he is to not interested <laughs> so y'all in the most pathetic turn of events i ain't even gonna spend too much time on this so they just set over to hong kong um charlie is showing astrid like the finer things in life she wake up to five servants by her bed like can i cut your toenails <laughs> and she's like oh no i think i'll just go get my husband thanks and they're like let us drive you she's like i'll walk so she knocks on the door now she found out where her husband was because um charlie he's a tech guy and he was able to track the phone <laughs> of michael and so Y'all can hear my uh, uh, gin and tonic rattling. <laughs> That's <laughs> just picture Michael's gin and tonic rattling. rattling. He's like, what, what, what? who is that? He opens the door and it's his wife, Astrid. And she's like, yeah, what's up? And he's like, wow, you really had your family track me down. She's like, I got my own connections. OK, give me, give me credit. the credit. Give me the credit. I would have did the same thing she did. <laughs> Showed yeah, up at I his house. Well, I mean, or, crazy <laughs> fine, right? If you tell me you got a mistress and a child, I don't know if I'm going to go to Hong Kong to what? Confront you? I'm you going to Hong to Kong. House. Nope, I'm going to Hong Kong. I'm going to do just like Astrid. <laughs> I'm hitching a ride. It cannot be underestimated how fine he is. That's right. You my husband. <laughs> Can't nobody have you but me. <laughs> also this mistress and the child, but that's it. I need to figure this okay. out and I need you to tell me what your mistress <laughs> behind you, next to you, wherever. We're confronting, okay? Yeah, and Astrid don't fight. You know, when some people say they don't fight, that means they'll shoot you. No, Astrid really don't fight. She just hires someone to disappear you. So she ain't trying to have a confrontation like that. She just wants to know why. Like, she really loves her husband and he's acting so strangely. Yep. She cannot mesh it to who she knows he is and y'all <laughs> I don't even want to spend too much time on this because it's so disgusting and uh, masculine he's like girl you hurting I can't even see you hurt like this I'm gonna tell you the truth <laughs> and Ashton is like wait this ain't the truth it's worse and he's like I ain't even got no girlfriend <laughs> That was my cousin and that little boy I've been with. That's my cousin's son. I just been helping him out. I just wanted to get away from your family because they are suffocating me. And I didn't know how to do it by just telling you I was done. So I made up this entire ruse so that you would have a reason to divorce me and everyone would be on your side because I don't want to hurt you. I just don't want to be married to your family any anymore. And in fact, it's never worked between the two of us if mm. you think about it. Yeah, I love you. You love me, but that's not enough in your family because your family is insane. They d demean everything that I do. 
for example, my company, for the first time in years, we were able to pay each other bonuses. And it was like $200,000. And I thought to myself, you make $200,000 every wink of your eyeballs. Mm -hmm. I'm never, ever, ever going to be able to afford the life that you grown up knowing. And she's like, that don't even matter to me. And she's like, but he's like, but it matters to your family. And what you don't know is that before we even got married, because he signed a prenup and a postnup and all the nups. Um, But before (laughs) they got married, her brother's like took him out to dinner. He's like, hey, new brother-in-laws. And they like, just so you know, she owns a million properties and you'll never touch them. Okay, thanks. And it just made him feel like so insulted because he was never with her for the money. Um, But it just showed how they saw her. Like, I mean, sorry, how they saw him. And they never changed. When when their TV goes out, their Xbox goes out, they're like, well, our son-in-law or our sister's husband is in the tech world. He can fix it. Yeah. Like he's a mechanic of the family. Yeah. And he's trying to run what will one day hopefully be a million dollar company. He's like, I, I just can't be me and your family. I can't get any respect. And it's, it's just no way to live. I'm sorry. So this may not have been the best way, but I pretended to have a mistress because I also didn't want to cheat on you because you fine too, baby. <laughs> but listen, <laughs> I can't be with you no more. Does that sum it up? Yeah, that does. It was too hard for him. That's what he said. And it's so pathetic, but it's also a little heartbreaking because they're both in positions where she wants him and he just wants out of her family. That's all he wants. This. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Again, let's leave Astrid. I'm just not realizing how depressing her storyline is. Mm -hmm. Let's go back to Rachel and Nick. They're in Malaysia and they're like buying juices and little uh, local cuisine from the children. And they like kissing and driving up the mountains to his grandmother's uh, lodge, her vacation lodge. Now, how? I I mean, at this point, Nick's a little delusional. He feel like he can just live his life any way he want and still use the family's thing. He's not a little (laughs) delusional. He's a lot of delusional. He's completely delusional. So when they arrive, who's there to wait? Who's there waiting for them? His grandma. His grandma's and there. Y'all, yeah, I'm gonna wrap it up. So the mother and the grandmother are like, hey, I don't know how they got there before this. A jet they like everybody else. <laughs> What'd you say? A jet like everybody else jetting around the island. So while they was buying food and juice from the kids <laughs> in the neighborhood, the mama and the grandmama was already like getting their tea together in the vacation lodge. So anyway, um, Rachel and Nick walk in and are like, what are you doing here? Um, first, Nick sees the driver, his grandma's driver, and his like the breath leaves his body. He's like, oh, Nick is crap. like, what is going on? So he just wants to get it over with whatever scene they're trying to make. Just say it because I'm nothing you can say is going to make me not marry Rachel. And then um, Nick's mom, Eleanor, is like, well, did you know that Rachel's dad didn't die when she was little? Like she keeps telling everyone. And Rachel's like, what? So this whole time, uh, Rachel has thought her dad died when she was a child. Um, Because that's what her mother told her. And Eleanor doesn't believe her, but she's like, girl, if you acting, you know, use the Viola Davis of Singapore (laughs) uh, or of uh, American born Chinese, because I think, you know, that your father right now. Where is he, Alexis? In jail, serving time. Girl, your daddy in jail. You knew that. In prison. Shoot. Rachel hears this news and Rachel hears this news and faints. 
she becomes like a dead person. And the grandma says, look at her weak continence. That's because she got bad breeding. <laughs> These people are heartless. It's ter- absolutely terrible. Uh, Nick right away defends Rachel, but Rachel's like, I have to get out of here. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Rachel's father is a man named Zhu Fang Min, who's in jail for negligence that killed multiple people. Shocked by this news, Rachel um, comes to after she faints. Um, <laughs> and Nick is just so apologetic. He's like, this is the this is worse than anyone's worst nightmare. My mother and my grandmother are telling you things about your life that you didn't even know. Um, let me take you out of here. And Rachel's like, yeah, let you take me out of here. So they check into an hotel. But as soon as he like turns his back, she's gone and she goes to stay with Peak Lynn. So they're separated now, Nick and Rachel. Rachel calls her mom and is like cussing her out. Like, is my daddy alive? Um, so she's really angry. And her mom tells her, listen, your my husband was a terrible man who beat me. He assaulted me. He, um, of course, was unfaithful. He tried to get me to commit acts that weren't um, okay or weren't in line with my morals. He was just the worst monster you can think of. Um, And there was um, a man named Kyle Wei that started to comfort me and help protect me against your dad. Your dad, or I'm sorry, against my husband. My husband is the man in jail. The man who um, comforted me, Kyle Wei. And help me to escape uh, not just your my husband, sorry, not just my husband, but his family. Because when she became f- pregnant, um, her husband's family, realizing it was a girl, was like, oh, let's kill everybody involved. <laughs> they wanted to blind the child, the child. Oh, I'm sorry. So that the government would allow them to have another child. Mm-hmm. So they wanted to say that, well, this child is blind. So we need to have another and for the government to agree so that they can have a boy. This is during the uh, one child rule so anyway yeah so not kill everyone but like maim the baby so this man Kyle Way helped Carrie um, who's Rachel's mom escape to America without ever knowing that Rachel was his daughter Mm. so it's tricky but that man in jail that ain't your daddy and at this point Rachel is like well I'm going to go see my dad in jail and P. Glenn's coming with me and the mom was like look don't go see that man because that ain't even your daddy and we don't mm -mm, we don't even mess with him like that (laughs) (laughs) so let's wrap it up back to Astrid in Hong Kong Astrid is heartbroken and Michael is like I can't see you heartbroken because you're just too perfect to me so I'm gonna buy Michael's company right does he buy it or invest in it he um tries to buy it out he sends his man to go buy it out and then um, right for way more than it's worth mm-hmm. hoping that it will somehow help Astrid. Yep. 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 Back at Peak Lynn's place, Nick and Peak Lynn are glad to see that Rachel and her mom have reconciled. Everyone's happy. Um, not the, not Nick's grandma and mom, but Peak Lynn, Rachel, <laughs> Rachel's mom and Nick are happy. And, um, it kind of ends there. It, does. Like, it ends on that note. <laughs> like there's more to be told, but we stopping right now. Exactly. There's no engagement. None of that, like in the movie, no big um, party. It's just uh, Nick Young and Peak Lynn arguing about where they're going to take Rachel to eat. And um, Rachel explains to her mom, this is the Singapore way. 
And that's the end. Should we take a break? Yes, let's. Okay, so I first off, I think there, I felt like there were too many storylines. I I feel like they could have broken this up into um, a couple different stories. Maybe Asher's. I can see some mingling, but there were just like, I think this book was five six hundred pages for no reason. Mm. I really feel like that. Um, but I do love the story of the girl finding the wealthy, extremely wealthy man and him trying to make her happy. I do love that, even though he's like totally clueless when it comes to his family. But I do mm-hmm. get him not sharing this story with her because of the way he was raised. I totally get that. I like the mm-hmm. footnote details that were in the book. I thought that was pretty cool to get a little um, tidbits of information. I listened to the audio along with reading um, the book and there were actually some bits. I thought it was just the footnotes, but there were actually some bits that weren't in the book that the audio continued to speak about. Um, mm. I also like how the audio went in and out of Mandarin, um, a few other languages. I thought that was cool. Yeah, that that was cool. And it explained what all that meant. You know, sometimes books don't actually tell you what that means. You have to look it up yourself. So it was yeah, foreign cool. language sometimes mm-hmm. is not yeah explained in the book. Yeah, you're yeah. Right. And then I also like Michael and Astrid. Even though I feel like that was the extra piece that didn't need to be included, I like that Michael and Astrid's story was Nick and Rachel's story. You know, mm-hmm. this is the tail end of. Um, marrying somebody that's not living up to your family standards. Are you Mm -hmm. ready to get into that? Even though Rachel doesn't see what Astrid is going to. So I did enjoy the, yeah, yeah, I did enjoy the the book and I would um, like to know the next portion of it. What happens after this? Because I feel like this book kind of ends on a cliffhanger and there's more to read. So it is. uh, Have you not read the other books? No, I haven't. Okay, okay. Just the um, movie, and I try to, as much as possible, keep that separate. But um, I would. I, I would read the book again. I would recommend it with notes of um, some strong language and some parts that... Um, are vulgar, especially with Bernard. Yeah, yeah. Like, I totally feel like that could have been left out. It's totally unnecessary to include his portion in the book at all. But, yeah. I would recommend it. Um, how about you, Kari? What's your final verdict and would you recommend this book? So I'll say it didn't end on a cliffhanger to me. It just didn't end. So it's not like you're like, oh, what what happens next? Right. It's just like it kind of ended that story. It's done. Um, and that was fine. Um, as far as this book is concerned, this was the second time I've read it. And I enjoyed it even more than the first. It is truly escapism. It's all glittery, glitzy, glamorous, and um, it's very salacious in some parts. Um, And that can be fun if you have a lot on your mind. It's like a world that you may not um, identify with at all. And so 
uh, that can feel like it's on another planet almost the way these people have money, the way they spend money. Um, it really takes its time to put you in the, in the setting of every character in every scene and describe the lavish surroundings. And that, that can be fun. Um, I did feel like Bernard didn't help um, clarify any characters. Nope. I think he was there to help us understand how Nick and Colin uh, were so close and how they got so close um, and why they needed each other. But but I don't think that Bernard character really did that in a great way. It didn't. Um, so his his character is kind of pointless. Eddie has a storyline who's the character that's very materialistic. Um, and that was kind of a great contrast because he married a family um, with high class and taste, but he always had mistresses and he was always looking to impress other people. And that at least provided you with some contrast on um, Nick and Astrid who are very cl- quote unquote classy with how they treat their old money. So I actually liked Eddie. I liked when it became a um when it went past the boiling point and his wife kind of like Ooh. put her foot down. Yeah, yeah. Um that was done in a really um entertaining way. Um Colin and Araminta are really flat characters to me. Mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't I'm not interested in their lives. Um, I, I, I don't think there are too many characters in this book necessarily, but it's just hard to care about everyone. Like the grandma is one of the most interesting characters in this book, which it probably should be that way. Eleanor has a great backstory. She could get her own book and that would be very interesting. I think um, the dad is kind of like in the movie, they don't even have the dad. And that's fine because he really is just showing you how. Um, annoying it can be to be a part of this family Mm -hmm. and how you can kind of create a new world for yourself outside of this family and all of its expectations. But all of that to say, yeah, I enjoyed this book. I would love to read. I could pick it up right now and read it again. It is the quintessential beach read. It is the book you can pick up, uh, put down, pick up, put down and it's fine. It just takes you out of uh, whatever setting you're in, in in real life IRL and just puts you into the most opulent setting imaginable. And then once you close the book, it's not like it's sticking with you. Nothing in this book is going to haunt you or make you think. And sometimes that can be great. <laughs> so I would definitely recommend it with an asterisk an Astrid that um, Astrid language especially <laughs> with Bernard like he even says the n-word once um, and it's just all unnecessary mm-hmm. with him but that is the point of him but then his also his character is unnecessary so it's kind of unfortunate um, and a few of the girls uh, a lot of the girls a lot of pining just after Nick not necessary yeah, it's just th- not necessary extra for no reason mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I recommend the book and would recommend it to some Right. So I hope that makes sense. So, yeah, that's it. Yeah. So what are we reading next week, Kari? You ask me this every week, like I'm supposed to know. Hmm. What am I, co-host of this podcast? Hmm. Hold on, y'all. I'm, I'm just buying to think time. about that. The Telltale Heart by Edgar Allan Poe. Ooh, a short read. I think that book is five pages. Yeah. Approximately. Okay. Okay. Five pages. All right. <laughs> Great pick, Alexis. <laughs> Y'all know Alexis picked it. When the book is 10 pages or less, that's a lot. You can thank her. I know I'll be thanking her. Because that's. I'll be audacious. And she said this. She said Crazy Rich Asians was 600 pages. You guys, it's like 400 pages, but it's it's kind of long. <laughs> it's it's okay, long. Guys. Anyway. But thank you for listening to Let's society we look forward to meeting up with you next week thursday lit society is brought to you by 
me, Alexis Anaria, and Kari Herrera. Support the cause by leaving a five-star review for our show on Apple Podcasts, along with a comment about why you absolutely love us because we love you too also don't forget to leave a five-star review on spotify if you've enjoyed what you just heard tell a friend about lit society visit litsocietypod.com for show notes this month's book list and to sign up for our amazing email newsletter and until next time read something read something read something